Hi, this is David Brevik, the creator of Diablo and It Lurks Below, and you're listening to Budget Arcade. gamers and welcome to Budget Arcade, a free-to-play gaming podcast to help you navigate through the growing realm of free-to-play games. I'm Scott. I'm Jeff. Do you hear that familiar sound? The old drums, the old war drums are calling. Azeroth needs my aid. Will you answer this Lord call with me? I'm Lord. just kidding, it's oh, me, gosh, Elliot. Really, dude? I put in a very modest one day, Ugh. 17 hours into WoW Classic since it came out a week ago. Very healthy. Uh... I'm good. I need to be rolled oh, over yeah, every dude. half hour for the bed sores, so... All right, and welcome to episode number 28. Just to recap, we play a free-to-play game for a week, and then... Every we single week. It. We always play yes. a game without each and every doubt. week. Without yeah, yeah, without fail. Not this week. Oh. All right, so this week we have a special guest. We are interviewing Mr. Patrick Hickey Jr. Welcome, Patrick. How are you doing, guys? Uh, pleasure to be here. Thanks for coming. Very good. Yeah, no problem. We'll ask that again at the end. So. Yeah, for real. I always assume that when Scott gets people to come on the podcast, it's because they've never listened before. So I did my research after I uh, after you guys reached out to me. So uh, you guys are okay, you didn't listen. You're to still last here, week. which is nice. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. Especially after yeah, last week. Last week's episode was rough. It was awful. All right, so uh, you are here to plug your book that's going to be coming out pretty soon uh you want to take that away yeah sure um so my name is patrick hickey jr i am the author of the minds behind the games interviews with cult and classic video game developers uh that ga- that book is uh currently available on amazon barnes and noble wherever fine books are sold but my second book the minds behind adventure games is set to come out in about a month or so this fall from McFarland and Company, and it's essentially the same as the first book. It's an interview anthology, so 31 games featured, over 50 developers interviewed, and they all discussed the inspirations and development processes behind their classic cult and indie classics. You're working on another book after that, correct? I'm working on two more books besides that. I'm working on The Minds Behind the Sports Games, and I'm working on The Minds, the mind, the minds Behind the Sports Games is practically finished. Um, and then I'm, I'm currently plugging away on the minds behind the shooter. Jeff would like games, it if you did the so. minds behind the, the uh, auto this chess games. I wasn't the first to bring it up. That's the thing. It's like a meme, but Allegedly. I'm never the first one to bring up auto chess. It's you guys. So nice. Allegedly. All right. So we're usually when we interview somebody, we do a <laughs> series of questions. Nice. Um, Elliot, you want to take the, the lead on this? What's the hardest part about writing a book? Uh, is it the same thing was the hardest part this time as it was the first time or is it change uh, or like what's your favorite part of the writing experience kind of thing? I think my favorite part of the writing experience is like actually putting the chapter together. It's uh, it usually works out with me sending uh, questions to the developer via email 
And then after that, we do a Skype where I kind of ask for more background and stuff like that. So I don't start really writing the chapter until the developers confirm their participation, they've signed a release, and all that stuff. So then this way, I know that, that they're definitely going to be a part of the book. But, and, but then what I do after that is I'll have, like, you know, a couple of thousand words and some, you know, some audio to play with. And then I just listen to them tell the story. And then what I just try and do then is to provide a narrative that kind of makes that as easy to digest and flow as possible. So um, I would say the first book, just learning how to do that, was different because writing a book, like I've been a journalist for over 15 years, so writing an article is much different than writing a book. So I think like the first book, I'm super proud of it, still has a five-star rating on Amazon. It's been out for over a year and a half, so I'm proud of it. But it's like I feel like um, I really discovered how to like forge a narrative um, with a little bit more precision in the uh, second volume. Um, I asked more thought-provoking questions this time around. Um, the fact of the matter is I got some great sources for the first book, so getting sources for the first book was one of the hardest things I've ever done. But for book two, it was a lot easier because I had a lot of people under my belt that I could say, oh, I've spoken to this person before, I've spoken to that person. So uh, moving forward, book three and book four, I mean, I've just had developers like reach out to me and say, oh, I would love to talk to you about this. Or, I'd, or I've had developers say, oh, you know what? Um, I spoke to this person for you. Just shoot them an email. They want to participate. Which is how, like, I have Gears of War, uh, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, Metal, uh, Medal of Honor, and Wolfenstein 3D all in the shooter book already. And that's just because developers have gone to bat for me. So uh, the first book was the hardest because, I mean, even though I've covered the video game industry for about 15 years, I never wrote a book. So... Getting people to take a chance on you is, is hard, but book two was a lot easier, and now it's just like, um, it's a lot easier, and developers trust me a lot more than they would have a couple of years ago when I first started doing this. Man, I hope we ever get to the point where developers are like, hey, I got a free-to-play game. Will you review it? <laughs> that would be nice. Right now, they just tell us not to. Wow. Avoid. Only two cease and desist letters, which is I, I think is a success. Really. That's a record there low. Go. There you go. Yeah, Elliot has three personal ones. Yeah, it's I'm just and a so, restraining order. Um, well, that's that's not the same thing. Well, you. that was because of the that was because yeah. of the pictures you sent, right? Well, look, they were solicited. I keep telling you that. Oh, okay. All right. So you mentioned that you were a journalist beforehand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So were you able to fall back on a lot of that stuff to be able to do the research? Oh yeah. Book? I mean, like I have a master's degree in uh, journalism. I was an editor at NBC. I, at one point, I was the highest. Uh, read uh, most read um journalists on examiner.com so i mean i've been doing this for a while but the thing is it's just like it's different to say oh you know what i want to ask you a couple of questions about this game and write up like an 800 900 word piece it's different from what i was doing saying you know i'm going to send you like 20 questions and i want to talk to you for like a couple of hours to really get behind the scenes so it was like a different style of writing for me um it was deeper interviews um but i will say um two of the people that i originally uh pitched for the first book michael menheim who a lot of you guys oh. know from a uh, mutant league football and mutant league hockey and uh warren specter people know from like deus ex and uh system shock and epic mickey uh those were two of the first guys that i reached out to and they said yes and then after that it was just like all right let's just keep pitching people and uh so the first book i have 36 games the second book i have 31 uh the third 
I'm probably going to have around 35, and the shooter book, I already have 30. So it's just like, uh, but I send out hundreds of pitches. So most of them don't answer because, you know, some of them are still in the video game industry, and they don't want to talk, and then some of them don't get it because it goes into a spam. I've never emailed these people before, you know? So it's just like, uh, it's a lot of work. It's really hard, but like I said, it get, it's been getting easier since I started this, like in 2016. Which book is the Michael Minheim interview in? Uh, Michael Menheim is in, um, he's in the first book. He talks okay. to me about, about, uh, Mutant League football. It's a great chapter. And then in the sports book, we actually talk Mutant League hockey. So, okay. uh, so yeah, so Mike, I, Mike is awesome. Yeah. I started a, a podcast actually a couple weeks ago. My first episode came out and it was about Mutant League football. And so it's nice to yeah, if you want to find out a lot of stuff about Mutant League football, um, I would suggest reading the chapter because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of information online about Mutant League football that's just absolutely factually incorrect. Like how uh, Mutant League football uses the Madden engine, um, absolutely incorrect. You know, there's a lot of information about Mutant League football that's just wrong. So being able yeah. to get get that information directly from Mike was awesome. Right, Jeff, you got a question? Yeah, absolutely. Now uh, I didn't catch. Is your first book, is it traditionally published or uh, did you uh, don't say, don't self- say, don't say self-published. Don't ever say that word. What my, would you prefer in my presence? Um, no, well, it's not self-published. I was published by uh, McFarland and Company um, and they're a nonfiction academic publisher that's been around for like 40 years. Um, and the reason why, I mean, I could have totally self-published this, but my whole thing is I'm a college professor. I've been a college professor for over a decade and uh Where I come from, like, if you want your book to be taken seriously, like, you seek out, like, a publisher. And if no Mm -hmm. publisher wants to buy your idea, then that means it's no good. You know? So, um... So, just kind of a follow-up. The reason I was asking that was because it's a two-parter is what's the process of uh, getting your work published? You've got your idea. You've you've got your interviews. You've typed it up. Mm -hmm. How do you get someone to pick it up? So, you could do it a bunch of ways. Um, you You could write the book first and then start pitching people. What I decided to do was originally I got about um, six chapters written and I was pretty comfortable with the fact that like these six chapters represented like my mission to get these developers to tell the behind the scenes story for each game that they were featured in. Um, So I got those six chapters and then I started pitching publishers and I said, listen, this is what I want to do. These are the six chapters that I have finished. Um, I want the book to have anywhere from like 25 to 30 chapters when it's finished what do you think um da, 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 da. so i sent those query letters out and uh mcfarlane got back to me and they were like oh this sounds great um they gave me a couple of uh suggestions like in terms of like length for each chapter and mm-hmm. da, 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 and uh signed some contracts and uh and that was it so it's just that you could either writing the whole book is a huge risk because if nobody wants it then you just wrote a whole book that you can't sell so that would be my suggestion for people, like, uh, give them like a nice sample size. I basically gave them like 20% of the book. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then the thing is once you get a publisher that's comfortable with you, like I love McFarlane, I love working with them. So, um, after the first book came out, a lot of developers that didn't answer me for the first book, they started answering me for, and they were like, oh, we'd love to participate. And I'm like, yeah, the book's out already. So then I said to myself, okay, I want to do a sequel. So then I pitched McFarlane the sequel, and they're like, no. I'm like, wait, what? 
And they're like, no, 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 listen, you've got, because I had like 30-something games already, and they were like, no, 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 like you could do an adventure book, you could do a shooter book, you could do a sports book, and I'm like, oh my god. They totally saw like the branding uh, element of what I was trying to do, so Mm -hmm. it was super important. So like, yeah, if you want to get published, that would be my best advice for you. You could self-publish, which is great, but then this is the thing too, I know a lot of people that are self-published, and the thing is, it's super hard to get your book into libraries. It's super hard to get your book into the Library of Congress. It's super hard to get your book into legitimate bookstores. Um, you've got to order books like, and have them on hand. When you deal with a publisher, you buy as many books as you want to have on hand. They give you a discount. There's so many benefits to working with a publisher. So like, my book's been out for about 16 months, and it's in libraries in like Stanford, um, University of Pennsylvania, UCLA, UC Berkeley, Michigan... You know, so it's like that would have never happened if I would have self-published it, if that answers your question. No, it absolutely did. Elliot, do you have a question? We haven't really talked about your website, uh, reviewfix.com. But, mm-hmm. um, so what about running something like that, like a game website? And I know it's not just video games. It's sure uh, a lot of other So what about that um, did you find to be the hardest part uh, of running like a website like that? It's so big, or it seems so big at least. Well, see, that's the thing. It's like uh, I work in academia. So, uh, like, I'm a college professor, and there's so many people that work with me that feel like they go on sabbatical to write a book. Like, they can't teach anymore. And I was teaching four or five classes a semester, running a website, freelancing for Old School Gamer Magazine, being a husband, being a father, and writing a book on top of it. So, it's like, as you guys can see, I'm, I'm kind of a workaholic. Um, but uh, And a gamer, so that's and, probably why. And a gamer, yeah. So, the thing is, it's just... Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, every day is hard. I mean, last night I went to a birthday party, and then I came home, and I had two writers uh, covering, uh, one was covering all uh, the, the AEW pay-per-view last night, and NXT UK, and then I had another one doing See, comic book, comic book interviews. Now you language. There you go. Um, and if, if this uh, entices you further, there's four wrestling games featured in the minds behind the sports games, including WCW NWO Revenge. So uh, um, one of my personal favorites. Mm-hmm. And we talk about all the on the book, all the THQ Aki games from like WCW versus the World to No Mercy. We discuss all of yeah. them in that chapter. Um, but the thing is, it's like, listen, if you're gonna like do this thing like cold life, you've got to like push yourself as hard as you possibly can. And what happened was. Uh, when I first started doing this, my wife was like five months pregnant and she'd come home from work and she'd be exhausted and uh, she just wanted to lay down. So now it's like, you know, eight, nine o'clock at night and I'm, I'm a, you know, night owl and stuff. So I'm sitting on the couch with my dog and my cat, like, what are we going to do? And it, the first couple of weeks, it was just like, all right, so we're going to get into Fallout 4 finally, you know? And then it was just like, you know what, before my daughter's born, I need to really like do something that like gives me like a sense of fulfillment like, about myself. So, like, when I look at my daughter, I'm like, you know what? I busted my ass to, like, make sure that I was the best parent possible, but I also achieved the things that I wanted to achieve. So, like, you know, being an editor at NBC, being a, a tenured college professor, that all means a lot. But, like, to write a book is, like, pretty important. So uh, I wanted to get that done. So that was, like, my driving force. So it's just um, when you just put yourself in, in the frame of mind, like, you know what? Yeah, I have to do this, 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 and this and you just do it, then it's not a problem. People that that complain about, oh, I have to do this, I have to do that, they barely get that stuff done. So for me, every day when I wake up, I just make a list of stuff that I have to get done, and I don't go to sleep until it's done. So 
Mark Hamill is my idol, mm-hmm. not because of Star Wars, but because of his voice acting. Oh, so I want to touch amazing. a little bit on your voice acting. Oh, yeah. Sure. We've got you on how many video games so far? Uh, so far, uh, finished games, uh, two, but there's about five that that are, like, three more that are still coming out. So right now, the Padre um, and the Caillou Offensive are the ones that are finished. And then uh, we have uh, Relentless Rex that's uh, in development and uh, Kroom which is currently in development. So, And there's another one that I can't discuss yet, but I'm working on it. As as if you didn't have enough hats on your head, right? I know, I know. Oh, and I'm writing a play, and I'm writing a comic book as well. It's like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's nuts, but it's like, listen, th- again, this is this life thing, you know? Yeah. So, that's why you guys are doing a podcast right now, so. Uh, keeps me sane. <laughs> so, how many voices do you have in your repertoire? Uh, I have a few, but the thing is, it's like, what I like to do is I like to read a script and, uh, try and create something for the character. So what happened with the Padre, I mean, it's a really crazy story. It's like, um, I had just finished the first book and, uh, I was, I didn't start the second book yet. And I was just like on Twitter looking at indie games like I usually do. And I usually reach out to indie developers and, uh, tell them, you know, I'll interview you for review fix, blah, 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 blah. And I came across this game called The Padre, and it looked like Minecraft meets, like, like Silent Hill or whatever, you know? And it was just this Catholic priest walking around, like, this dark forest, and this tree just, like, kind of came alive and slapped him, like, across the face, like, the branch. It looked really cool. So, um, I reached out to the developers, and I asked them if they wanted me to interview them for the site, and they said yes. And then, uh, I found out that I was basically the first person to contact them. So, uh, they asked me if I wanted to play a beta... And I said yes. So I'm playing the game, and it's kind of like a point-and-click survival horror in, in like, a voxel Minecraft visual style. It's really different, you know? So being a point-and-click, though, it's narrative-based, so it's all text, a lot a lot of it. So um, the first line in the game is, like, it's been a week since you contacted, you know, Father Benedictus or whatever or something like that. And week is W-E-E-K, you know? But um, it was spelled W-E-A-K. So I told the developers, I'm like, guys, if you want, um, I can edit all of the dialogue in your game. And they were like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah. So we, we had a discussion, and I became the story editor for the game. So now, like, every day they're, se- they're sending me text to edit, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is, like, my first paying gig in video games. Like, totally unexpected. Like, I was going to do them a favor and now I'm like a member of the team. I'm suggesting changes and stuff on gameplay. It's like, it's crazy. So then we're getting ready to go to Kickstarter and the voice actor left. Literally oh, like, no. yeah. And the thing was, it didn't really match because it's a dark game. And, and he always sounded like Russell Brand, like this wacky English man. Oh my God, you know. <laughs> it didn't it didn't fit at all. So the developers, uh, Bents um, and Balaz, they were just like, what are we going to do? And I, I, like, didn't even hesitate. I was like, I could totally do a voice better than that. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, all right, so go record something, like, right now, and, and we'll listen to it. So I'm like, oh, my God. So I go in my man cave, and I'm very good at that, like, deep baritone, like, In the city, one man, he sold tortillas, and one man wanted to put him out of business. So I'm like, I can't do that voice, because, um... I mean, it's been done a thousand times before. And plus, they're looking for, like, an English voice. So uh, I came across, like, uh, a combination of 
of the, the wacky English and that deep baritone. Employee came across this dark English voice. My name is Alexander the Portray. Hello, I am on the Budget Arcade podcast with Scott Elliott and Jake Weezy. You know, and uh, they ate it up and they were like, can you record everything like right now? We're going to plug it into the game right now. And I was like, um, okay. And th- like, as they say, the famous cliche, the rest is history. And then after that, it was just basically like, I didn't want to be a one hit wonder. So then I started, uh, reaching out to other developers and, uh, that's how I met the guys from the Caillou Offensive. And I'm basically like the narrator for that game. But if you've ever played like Smash TV, like bingo, I kind of do that for them. Like winner, loser, you know, so that's, uh. That's the voice that I do in that game. And then uh, Relentless Rex is an awesome... It's like a cel-shaded adventure game, and I play, like, the T-Rex. And it's kind of like an Austrian, like, shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the voice sounds like. It's just like, Hi, my name is Relentless Rex, and I am a big um, T-Rex, and I will eat you with my little hands and big jaws. You know, so, uh... That's basically it, like, as of right now. And then, uh... The last game uh, I actually wrote this story for, it's called Kroom, um, and I'm working on it with uh, Pete and Jeff Paquette, and if you guys know your video games, uh, Jeff Paquette was senior animator on Bioshock Infinite, so uh, he's really good at what he, what he does, and uh, his brother Jeff uh, does the music, and he's the engineer on the game. So it's the three of us making an NES-styled um, shooter. So uh, it's like, imagine if, if Link in The Legend of Zelda had a gun. That's kind of how it plays. It's like a cool sci-fi story. It's like if Link's sword worked more like Strider's and he had a gun. That's kind of how the game plays. So, and I'm I'm the... I play the voice of the main character, too, in Kroom, which is... It's basically the movie voice like that you've heard, like... In a world, one man. But the thing is, we uh, compress it in, in that 8-bit style. So it sounds super crunchy and, like, old-school, like, Contra, like, kind of, like, Konami style. So, uh, so yeah, it's really cool. Like, you can still tell that it's me, but it sounds different than how, obviously, the voice sounds now. So, that's how I got into voice acting. Just by being a geek that could write and edit. Nice. Jeff, you got a question? I had a different question, but... Uh, now, with Review Fix, what all does that website review and cover? Oh, oh my god, like, everything. I mean, we used to do food at one point. Like, we used to review tons of restaurants in New York City, but then, like, uh... We just stopped doing it because the traffic wasn't there. I would say for the most part, video games, comic books, and professional wrestling. And there's some film and theater in there as well. But for the most part, it's video games, comic books, uh, professional wrestling, and music, and indie music. So, hmm. yeah. And is is professional wrestling something you personally enjoy? Or is it just something that maybe someone on your team was passionate about or no, I, I watch I watch about 15 hours of professional wrestling a week um I uh I actually know a lot of professional wrestlers I I talk to them a lot about their character and their their move sets um my master's thesis was on professional wrestling um interesting I actually uh trained for a little while to do some professional wrestling for the master's thesis and I almost died in the process I got a staph infection on my face um, so oh, that, oh yeah, lord Damn, yeah man legit. so uh well you but, could you could wear a mask then well you have yeah. you have the same issue that john moxley has right now except his isn't on his face yeah he has mercer though so like uh yeah that's worse yeah yeah which mercer doesn't go away he's gonna die from that one day um but uh 
like, uh, it was pretty bad. Like, I remember um, the guys told me, they were like, listen, when you get out of the ring, you need to wash your hands and your face and your whole body like you've never washed it before. And I did. And, um, like, a week later, it looked like I had a pimple on the side of my face. And then, like, a week later after that, half of my face was covered. And my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife... Um, and the mother of my beautiful daughter, um, was like, listen, if you don't go to the doctor right now, I'm not kissing you. I'm not hugging you. Like you need to get that checked out. Like really like right now. And I went to the doctor and they were just like, what is that? And I'm like, that's why I'm here. Like, I don't know what it is, (laughs) you know? And like, they didn't want to touch my face and they were like, do you have herpes? And I'm like, um, no. And then, uh, one of the doctors is like, you're a writer. Like, we don't know how you got this. And and one of the other doctors, to his credit, was like, what are you writing about? And I'm like, I'm working on my master's thesis now. It's basically like how somebody goes from being a little kid watching professional wrestling to actually becoming a professional wrestler. Like, I interviewed Diamond Dallas Page, Harley Race, uh, uh, Low Key, tons of indie guys, like, all over the world for this. It was like, it's before the book, it was probably the best thing that I ever wrote. And he was just like, um, yeah, that's a staph infection on your face. Like, he just knew right away, as soon as I said wrestling. And they gave me Cipro, which is what they give, like, uh, anthrax patients. And, uh... Yeah. Within a week, though, it was gone. So I have no scarring on my face. I'm just as sexy as I was before. But, uh, it was was scary. Um, but to answer your question, I love professional wrestling. The artistry behind it, the, uh... I love wrestling video games, even though there hasn't Mm -hmm. been a good wrestling video game in quite some time. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I could talk about wrestling all day, but we never have anyone on here who likes wrestling. So. Well, because then they're all losers. If you don't watch professional wrestling, then you're like a communist. Like, what's wrong that's, with you? That's what I tell them. But, Seriously. <laughs> it's like, that's the whole reason why I bought a Nintendo 64, was for those THQ Without a wrestling doubt. games. Like, WrestleMania 2000 is still my favorite wrestling game. Absolutely. And when Absolutely. you said they haven't made a good wrestling game in years... Absolutely. You're not lying. And I heard... The AEW will have one, so I'm hope upon hope that we'll get something refreshing. But uh, for the sports book, I interviewed Sanders Keel, who uh, actually produced all of those games. Like he's one of the smartest people I've ever met in my entire life. Like THQ ha- had no interest in publishing wrestling games, and then he just started playing Japanese wrestling games on the PlayStation and was like, "Listen, we need to hire these guys." And they were called Sin Sophia. Uh, not Sin Sophia. Um, oh my God, they're called Sin Sophia now. I totally forgot the name of the company. But before they were Aki, they were another name. And uh, the rest is, again, the rest is history. Like, Sanders Keel was one of the guys that made sure that, like, all of those great games came to the United States. So he's featured prominently in the minds behind the sports games. Yeah, look forward to reading that. Awesome. Elliot, do you have another question? Out of all of your interviews for your books, which one do you think has been your favorite? Um, or which one do you think came out the best? So in, it's funny because it's like I, I every book that I've done so far, I always said to myself, like, oh, this chapter is going to be the sexy chapter. And then what happens is a chapter that I never expected to be the sexy chapter becomes the sexy chapter. So, like, in the first book, um, I was really expecting it to be The Wasteland, which is the father of the Fallout series. And that's a and that's a great chapter. I'm super happy with it. Like I talked to Brian Fargo and Ken St. Andre about it. But the chapter that everyone loves in the first book is the Night Trap chapter. And it's just because I got so many people. I got the people that did the remaster that just came out. I got James Riley, David Crane, Rob Phillips. So I got the original team and I got the people that did the remaster. 
and it just uh, it gives you a behind the scenes look at not only how that game came to be, but like that game was like eight years. It was gone for eight years, and then the Sega CD came out, and they were just like, "Oh wait, we can release this game now." So um, I remember when I originally released. Uh, the chapter list of the first book, everyone was like, who cares about Night Trap? It's terrible, blah, 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 blah. And then within like a couple of days after the book came out, everyone was like, dude, that Night Trapter chapter is fire. You know, and I'm like, wow, thank you. Um, in the adventure book, uh, I'm super happy with the Grand Theft Auto chapter. Um, Dave, David Cowan and uh, Don Traeger gave me an amazing recounting of how the PS1 version of Grand Theft Auto came to be. It's one of my favorite chapters that I've ever written. But um, the chapter on the Family Guy game on PS2, like, I couldn't have predicted, like, all of the stuff that that development team had to go through to put out a damn Family Guy game. Like, it was ridiculous. Like, just reading over yeah. the quote quotes from these guys, I was like, oh, my... Like, development hell is, like, an understatement. So, that's kind of usually what happens. That's... That's interesting, because if, if I'm thumbing through the table of contents of your book, the Family Guy game would be one I'm like, skipping that. Yes, yeah. yes. You never know what kind of story is there. Compared Absolutely. to some of the other games, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's it's like the same thing, too, like um, for the adventure book, like the Double Dragon chapter. People might be like, oh, Double Dragon. But then when they find out that it's actually the Atari 2600 version of Double Dragon, people are like, wait a second, it came out on Atari 2600, you know? And... Um, mm -hmm. What those guys were isn't that the same as the arcade version as well, or no? No, no. no. So the, Atari twenty six hundred has has one button, has one action button. You know, so it's like they oh, okay. and it's got like it's got co op, it's got so many like things going for it. Like they tried so hard to make this game something special for the twenty six hundred, and um, it sold over four hundred and fifty thousand copies. It was released in nineteen eighty eight, which is well past like the life cycle of the 2600 it was like one of the last like yeah nes was had been out what three years at that point yes yeah so like just the fact that they were able to make a game that looked and played similarly to double dragon and then it sold that many copies is like ridiculous so that That's was crazy. a fun chapter to write too yeah uh jeff do you have any other questions uh, unless you want to talk about wrestling more scott it's up to you buddy because <laughs> we could talk about aew last night all day. I mean, we can talk about that after the podcast. Oh, okay. No, I, I don't really have any other questions to follow up on. It's good stuff so far, though. Okay, yeah. Um, I think I'm tapped out as well. Elliot, do no, you have anything I'm, else? I'm good. He answered my questions that I we didn't even get to say, so... Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, yeah. It was amazing to talk to you. Like, I... I didn't prepare myself well enough for what all you brought to the table. I, I'm very impressed by you. Thanks, man. Thanks. That means a lot. Um, where can our listeners find you if they're looking? Uh, I mean, I'm Google verified. So if you just write in Patrick Hickey Jr., pretty much everything comes out. Um, the books, like I said, the books are available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. But the cool thing, this is one of the things that I actually wanted to talk about. Um, so even though I'm not a self-published author, um, I like to have relationships with my clientele that, like, a lot of commercial authors don't like to have. So my whole thing is I have um, a bookstore set up on my site, patrickhickeyjr.com. Um, you can go there. You click the link to like one of the books, and you can buy the book directly from me. Um, and what I do is I personalize the book for you. But like I was just talking to one of you guys before the show, 
and you were like that you're from Florida. So obviously, if you bought the book for me, I would get your address and I would have to ship the book out to you. So what I would do is I would email you right after and I would be like, tell me like a little bit about yourself. And if you were like, oh, I'm into wrestling or, oh, I'm a big baseball fan or oh, I'm a big Florida Panthers fan or I'm a, an Orlando Magic fan or whatever. Um, I put cool stuff inside your books. So like I put like wrestling uh, cards into people's books. I put baseball cards and I had somebody that bought a book the other day from Toronto and I put in a uh, Doug Gilmore hockey card and a Cecil Fielder baseball card. You know, and they um, very cool. They messaged me back, and they were like, "That was super cool of you." But it's just like I wanna, I wanna hear from from my readers. A lot of the um, games that got into the adventure book were just from the Facebook page. I have a Facebook page. It's like Facebook.com, the minds behind the games. And I just told people, I'm like, um, tell me some games that you would like to find out more about. And somebody was like, "Conquer's Bad Fur Day," and I'm like, "Okay." And oh, I reached that's out a good to. One. The, I reached out to the yeah, developer, and I got him. I got somebody who was like, oh, Croc on PS1. I'm like, okay, all right, I'm going to try. And I did, and I got them. Somebody was like, Maximum Carnage, and I'm like, okay. And I reached out, and I got them. So it's like um, before I started the shooter book, I just I, I wrote on the Facebook page. I was like, all right, your favorite shooters, let's go. And they were like, Doom. I'm like, all right, I got Doom in the first book. And they're like, um, Wolfenstein, Medal of Honor, Gears of War, Halo, and I'm just like, okay, 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 and I just start reaching out to these people. I want to write books that are that are read by Please people. Please tell me you got GoldenEye in there. Um, I reached out to those guys, so I haven't heard back from them. I have about another nine months before I have to submit that manuscript, so fingers crossed. And uh, I am a pain in the ass, so I am definitely going to pitch them a couple more times. I'm going to give them every opportunity to say no or yes to me. So, um, but the list for the shooter book is really good so far. Like I'm super proud of what I've been able, I've only really been working on the shooter book for about, I would say like a month. And I already have like jungle strike gears of war, um, medal of honor, modern warfare, uh, medal of honor, um, call of duty, modern warfare, gears of war, Metroid prime. Like I have a whole list of amazing games for that book so far. So very cool. Yeah. So, and for me, I mean, this is just something that I've always wanted to do. And, uh, I've always loved doing interviews as a journalist. So I just figured, you know, there's so many video game books out guys that are just kind of like, Oh, here's, here's a list of like every game that's ever come out on a system. And I'm just going to write a little bit about them. And to me, that doesn't do anything for the medium. That doesn't do anything for history. And like, there's some authors that do that, like Brett Weiss, that like I have a ton of respect for because he's been a journalist for like 20 years and he's done tons of interviews. Um, so he knows this stuff, but then, you know, if you're a YouTuber that has like somewhat of a following, you could put out a book like that and people buy it and there's no real like new factual information. So with that being said, it's like, I make sure that every chapter, like there's a moment in every chapter where somebody will go, wait, what? I didn't know that. And I try and I tell the people that I interview, tell me something that's uh, that's not common knowledge that people don't know. Or tell me something that's on the Wikipedia page that's absolutely wrong. You know, because I, I want people to, to really enjoy video game history and to have fun with it. And that's the thing, too. I'm a college professor, but it's written in a really fun, down-to-earth style that pretty much anybody could get into. So if you have a young... Uh, kid in your family that wants to know more about video game history or if you have somebody that wants to be a developer 
and they want to know all the things that they possibly have to go through. If this is a career that they want to get into, then this is definitely like a book series that they should uh, that they should give a chance. Very nice. So next week we will we'll be playing Pokemon Masters. Um, looking forward to this one. This has uh, been interesting so far. What about you, Ellie? You think you like this one so far? Um, yeah, so far I really I'm actually kind of digging it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, not to be like that guy again, but like Warcraft Classic came out, and that is like a, been a two year wait for me. So it came out literally the day before Pokemon Masters came out. So I've like literally haven't played as much as I figured I would. So this week, because I know it's like our upcoming game, I'm really like planning on sinking into it. But so far, so good. Very good. All right. We want to thank everybody for joining us. If you're listening on iTunes, we ask that you would leave us a review. Also, you can uh, leave a review on Spotify. That would be great. Uh, you can follow us on all of our social medias. You can follow us on Twitter at Budget Arcade. We're also on Facebook and join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash Budget Arcade. We're also on Instagram at Budget Arcade. You can send any hate mail to budget.arcade at gmail.com. <laughs> Music is by Stimmage, and you can download his music at MetroidMetal.com. Before um, we, we go. Thank you for joining us, man. Before we go, uh, what's Scott, that? tomorrow, no, when you listen to this, it'll be Tuesday. If you listen in the morning, Tuesday night, I will be on the Next to Nothing podcast as it streams live on Twitch. Um, I will send Scott the link so he can put it in the um, description so you can click it and catch me there, as well as yeah, yesterday, got, the second Okay, yesterday the second episode of Neo Retro Video Game Disco came out, so maybe give that a listen as well. I think it's my favorite one so far. Best guess oh, so far. What game is it? Uh, we do Stardew Valley and talk about it and its connection to Harvest Moon. Very good. All right. Now you don't know how to quit because I've broken your, no, no. your routine. Uh, Patrick, on. we want to thank you again for joining us. It was awesome having you on. <laughs> Yeah, no problem, guys. Super happy to uh, to talk about this stuff with you. Uh, a pleasure, as always. All right, and everybody, game on. Catch me in Azeroth, yo!